Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios with you on this Friday evening. Going to be with you for the full four. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take your smartphone. Take your Alexa speakers. Take your tablet. Take your Commodore 64, your Light Bright, your clock radio. Whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show is to follow us on our personal Twitter pages. I am at JMCH316, and that is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. Producing the show, as always, on the other side of the glass, Day Day is in the house at the D. Lewis for real. A bunch of things to get into with you here tonight is um, – we get ready for some Braves baseball coming up here at um, uh, 8.10 will be uh, first pitch tonight because they are in Milwaukee. That is central time, right? That's central time. So uh, 8.10 start uh, for the Braves. Uh, Mike Soroka, Michael Soroka, I should say, and uh, Freddie Peralta will be on the mound uh, tonight. Um, you know, Peralta's been a pretty good pitcher over the last couple of years uh, for the uh, the Brewers, he's been a big strikeout guy. Six and seven this year, four four one ERA. He does have one hundred and thirteen strikeouts in ninety eight innings. That's ten point four strikeouts per nine innings. But he has given up forty walks in um, ninety eight innings, and he's given up sixteen homers in ninety eight innings. That will not bode well when he faces this lineup tonight. I can tell you, if he's you know, if, if he's kind of keeping that pace and maintaining that pace, 
That will not bode well if you're a Milwaukee Brewers fan because you do not want to start giving up long balls to this team because this team can out-long ball anybody in Major League Baseball. So we'll see what Michael Soroka has tonight. I mean, look, obviously he's another guy trying to get his sea legs back. We're trying to figure out can he be a stable part of the rotation. You know, uh, yeah, I I hope, I, I hope. Now, here's what I will say, and we said this when they brought him up. No need to send him back down to Gwinnett. No, literally, no need to send him back down. Either he's going to make it here or he ain't going to make it anywhere. Either he figures he figures it out here or he doesn't figure it out anywhere. And that's the truth of it. No, no more shuttling buses. No more being on the Partridge family bus, which, again, just burning diesel smog fuel to go back and forth from Buford to Smyrna. No more. He's got to stay up here and figure you know things out at the major league level. So we'll see what Michael Soroka has uh, tonight, and uh, this will be a good matchup. Again, we talked about this you know here during the week. This will be six games in their next eight that they play the Milwaukee Brewers. So they'll play the Milwaukee Brewers in Milwaukee for three, then they'll go to the Boston Red Sox for two, and then they'll come home to Truist Park and have the uh, Milwaukee Brewers back home. So six of the next eight games will be against the Brewers. And, you know, again, we'll get a pretty good feel and flavor for what this looks like here. Now, Braves start off tonight. They are 10.5 games up on the Phillies and Marlins, 17.5 up on the Mutts, and 24.5 up on the Nationals. Here's the thing. And, Day-Day, let me give you a perfect example, a perfect example about what's going on in the NL East, okay? So the Braves have obviously stumbled here of late, right? They had a four-game losing streak. They did win yesterday, okay? They're only 5-5 five and five in their last 10, okay? You know what Philadelphia is? They've lost two in a row. They're 5-5. Five and five. The Marlins have lost six in a row. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. The Mutts have lost one in a row. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. And the Nationals have lost two in a row. They're 5-6 and six in their last 10. So even when the Braves have stumbled and not played as well, and they've had a bit of a hiccup, and they've lost a couple of series, and they didn't play very well through the week and weekend and all that, guess what? The Philadelphia Phillies, the Miami Fishnets, and the Mutts have not been able to take advantage one iota in this run. In fact, the Marlins have lost three games over this ten, over a 10-game stretch. Now you know why I say the division is over. The division's over. It's been over. When you can't beat the team in front of you and you can't gain any ground when they slip up and you can't do anything about it, the division's over. There ain't nothing that any of these teams, Philadelphia, the Fishnets, the Mutts, nothing they're going to do to change the course of what is going to be the, the history of right now. Nothing. They can't get out of their own way. Even when the Braves stub their toe and stink it up for a little bit, they can't gain any ground. And we certainly know that they can't beat the Braves head-to-head, 6-22 and 22 against the Braves. So this will be a good series. This will be kind of fun. Milwaukee starts tonight 54-43. and 43. They're two and a half games up 
on the Cincinnati Reds. They've won two in a row. They're eight and two in their last ten. Now they're still a minus three run differential, which is kind of crazy that they're leading the division with a minus three run differential as the Braves are 145 in the plus category. Plus 145, Brewers are minus three. Whew. That's uh, that's that's some good work for the Brewers that they've figured out a way to get to all of this done. Max Freed made his, uh, what, third rehab start down in Gwinnett. Three and a third, six hits, three runs, no walks, five strikeouts, but gave up a couple of homers, 65 pitches, 46 strikes. According to Dave O'Brien, um, they think that he's going to make another rehab start. Okay. Yeah, I got no problem with that. I think you make one more rehab start, and then it's let's go. Okay. Uh, we, we can't, you know, let, let's let's get everybody ready to go so we can get, you know, playoff rotations, get everybody back up to speed, get everybody's sea legs underneath them, for lack of a better term, how to describe it. So Roca, Freed, let's get everybody's sea legs back up and, and up to speed because we got we got bigger fish to fry because the, the division's over. We got bigger fish to fry in this uh, whole scenario. So, again, he makes a rehab start and – um you know, we'll uh, we'll see if he makes another one here before he comes back up to the ball club. So that might put him sometime maybe in late July or early August when uh, when he comes up. Um, all of the media vote was today and uh, for the SEC preseason team. So um, Georgia had 2,011 points in winning the East. Tennessee had 1,682. I'm surprised that the East was as close as what it was. Georgia had 265 first-place votes to 14 for Tennessee, but I'm surprised even the vote was that close. Alabama had 165 first-place votes to LSU's 117, and uh, they had 1,899 points to LSU's 1,838 points. And then it was kind of a runaway for who was the SEC champion. Georgia had 181 points. Bama had 62, a 3-to-1 margin. Think about that. Three to one margin of them winning the ACC. It was six to one over LSU. LSU only had 31 points. Six to one over LSU, three to one over Alabama. And here's the other thing about this. You know, one of the things we have not seen over the last couple few years as Georgia has been on this run is we've not seen a whole bunch of guys make first-team All-SEC. They've had very few. For all of the guys that they've had on defense, they've not had very many. Go look. Not had very many guys that make first-team All-Defense. So on the offensive side, for the preseason All-SEC team, Lad McConkey made it. Brock Bowers made it. And here's the fun part. Amarius Mims, Tate Ratledge, and Cedric Van Pran all made first-team preseason All-SEC. That's three of the five starting offensive linemen. Are they going to win the, uh, what is it, the uh, Joe Moorhead Award this year? Is that, is that what they're going to win, the, the best offensive line in the country award this year? Defensively, or no, sorry. Um, yeah, defensively. Let's let's switch over to the defense. Um, Michael Williams made it. Nazir Stackhouse made it. Jam, uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson made it. And this is the fun part. Malachi Starks, Kamari Lassiter, Javon Bullard all made first team. 
That's three of the four starting corners, or sorry, star, three of the four starting defensive backs that are Georgia Bulldogs. And they're loaded again. You know, they've got people on the second team. Um, second team had Kendall Milton um, on it. Uh, Xavier Truss uh, is on the uh, second team uh, as an offensive lineman. Uh, second team defense. Um, uh, Samuel Mondin made it, and he was the only guy on the second team. So even though we haven't seen as much of that over the last few years, and it's funny because people have said, well, there's no, what, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Davis, the, the uh, guy that was drafted by the Eagles. Um, it was my brain. No. Uh, huh? You're talking about. It's nah, a nah, 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 nah. Davis, Davis, the, the big offensive lineman, the big defensive lineman um, for the Eagles. Guy was drafted by the Eagles. You, you don't even remember. So, again, I, I'm the one who's brain dead here, right? I'm the one who's brain dead. I'm relying yeah. on you. I'm not, I was going to say Jarvis Davis, but, no. again, that's my former producer. Right. I think that's what threw me off. You said. So, again, you know, they, they've had all the succession plan of all these top guys. I, I Again, I'm, I'm asking day-to-day football questions. I'm, I'm in trouble now. But, anyway. Um, but they've had all these guys that have been, you know, again, first-round draft picks and all that kind of stuff. But they haven't had a whole lot of guys on the all-SEC team. And in a year where you don't maybe have as many of those defensive linemen that are going to get drafted as the number one overall draft pick or, you know, high first-round caliber picks, they've got all kinds of guys on their defense and especially in their second. Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. See, again, I'm the one who's supposed to be brain-dead on the show. I'm the one who had the stroke. I'm the one who watched that big white blob in his brain that was, you know, again, like anywhere between a quarter and a third of my brain was blobbed out. <sighs> it's going to be one of those kinds of nights. By the way, it, it for the last half hour here, has it not? It's rained sideways in a biblical fashion. Like it has been a mess out here in Midtown. But anyway, I digress so out there. Um, did you see that Bryce Young signed his deal with the uh, Carolina Panthers? $37.9 million as the number one um, overall picked, um, a $24.6 million signing bonus. The contract itself is 100% guaranteed. So he gets 30, $37.9 million in a deal with a $24.6 million signing bonus and the contract is uh, fully guaranteed uh, for it. So um, I'll look at what his, um, uh, what do you call it, his uh, cap numbers are going to be. But, I mean, obviously, these guys don't have nearly the cap number that guys in the past, the, the Matt Ryan and the Sam Bradfords and those kinds of quarterbacks had in the old days. But uh, still, again, $38 million guaranteed. That's not, a, uh, that's not bad for a day's work, right? I mean, so um, good stuff there, good stuff there. And uh, in the uh, world of the British Open, um, you know, again, Rory fading. But Brian Harmon, who our guy Will Gray talked about him last night. Well, he's now the leader in the clubhouse. He's 10 under. You talk about a day, 6 under today, 10 under for the tournament. What a day for Brian Harmon. And, again, our buddy Will Gray brought this up specifically. He brought his name up specifically that – he could be a guy that could really contend and be around, you know, for this tournament. Um, Cam Young, the defending champion, he's now uh, tied for seventh at two under. Jordan Spieth 
is a two under. So that's some of the Americans that uh, are making noise uh, right now. Rory is tied for 11th. He's one under. And I didn't see what the expected cut line um, is going to be. Looks like three over will be the cut. So the following players made to make the cut at three over. So three over is going to be the cut line. There's some good player names that uh, that didn't get to, you know, better than three under. So, all right, here we go. 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. Will Taylor Heineke play in anything other than mop-up duty this year? Do you think there's a scenario where Taylor Heineke finds his way in and gets some starts? Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, will ask you that question. You can call in. Let us know what you think. 404-726-0929. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Key Studios on this Friday night with you. All right, 404-726-0929. That is our phone line. It's also our Solomon Brothers Diamond, quest, uh, Diamond text line. Asking you the question here tonight. Do you see a scenario where Taylor Heineke plays in anything other than mop-up duty? Do you think that Taylor Heineke plays in anything other than mop-up duty? You know... Desmond Ritter was not a guy, and and look, obviously going up to the NFL level, things can always change, but Desmond Ritter was not a guy who got hurt. He was never never a guy who put himself into too much harm's way. And look, they played some really good teams, right? They played Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and UCLA, and you know they played good programs up and down you know the schedule for, for years. But Desmond was really never a guy who got hurt, and I don't expect that to change anytime soon. Now, 
Could it be that if Desmond Ritter doesn't play well? I think Desmond Ritter is going to have a long leash. I, I don't think that they are going to panic. Look, they suffered through as long as they could with Marcus Mariota, right? In fact, they probably played Marcus Mariota longer than what he should have played because they they were kidding themselves that they could actually be a playoff team. So, uh, and by the way, Day Day, we'll we'll get to the top ten on Pro Football Focus here in just anyway. Um, but they fooled themselves into thinking they could be a playoff team, and they played Marcus Mariota probably way too long and didn't give Ritter a chance. So I think Desmond Ritter is going to get a really long leash. Now I'm not saying in three years if he's you know stinking up the joint that he's going to be the quarterback, but for this year, there's no reason to think that Desmond Ritter won't play all 17 games, both from a standpoint of he plays well enough to start, and I don't think he's a guy that that is going to put himself in harm's way and get himself injured. You know, even though he's a quarterback who can run. He's not a a run-first type of quarterback. He's not a reckless kind of quarterback when it comes to the run game. Now, do we have that clip, Day-Day, from that guy? Now, who who was this guy? Oh, he was on with Dukes and Bell. And and who was the guy? Matt Ver- Verderam. Matt Verderam. Yeah. So, Justin Verlander? <laughs> no. Okay. So, he's what? What What is what is Matt? Matt uh, he's a insi- Matt Verlarde. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, NFL insider for SI. Okay. I, I thought his quote about Desmond Ritter was very interesting. Let me let you hear what Matt Verderama had to say about all of this. Desmond Ritter just has to be a point guard for the Falcons. That's what he has to be. They don't need him to go out there and create nonstop. They've done a nice job. Terry Fontenot's done a nice job of surrounding him with good pieces. Arthur Smith is a very creative, offensive-minded head coach. I think he's a I think he's a great guy to have for Ritter, and then you look at the weapons. You just mentioned a lot of them. You have Drake London in his second year, Kyle Pitts in his third year. You have the backs in Algier, and you also have, of course, Bijan coming in. That's that's a lot. I mean, that, that's a that's a lot of talent. So if you're the Falcons, and they have a pretty good offensive line, I mean, and, and a line that's been getting better, I look at them and say, my big question is defensively. There's a lot of new pieces. I like the moves. I, I thought the Falcons are one of the strongest off-seasons in the NFL. I think they have a shot to win that division along with New Orleans and Carolina. My big question is going to be, as you point out with Ritter, what is he? I mean, can he just make the plays he's supposed to make? Can he go into a game and go 23 of 35 for 220 and you know, a touchdown or two? He can do that. I think the Falcons are in a really good spot, but obviously, you know, only four games. You just don't really know yet what you're going to see out of it. So, you know, Day Day, gosh, if there was only somebody who had been saying the same thing here about not having to shoulder all of the load, and if there was only somebody who kind of was saying the same thing in Atlanta radio, <laughs> well, we can hope for somebody like that. Um, look. I 100% agree with his assessment, and this is exactly what I've been saying for how long now, that he doesn't have to shoulder the load. Look, if he balls out and he's a terrific quarterback and he's a monster, that's why I said, you know, we talked about this last week, what his number. Was it last week that we talked about or was it this week? That was this week. Okay. We talked about what his numbers are, and somebody brought up the idea of 35 touchdowns. If he's 35 touchdowns, he's the MVP of the league. 
Like we're talking MVP of the league, and we're going to be thirteen and four in you know first uh, uh, first uh, seed in the NFC. I mean, that's the kind of year when you get to like thirty five touchdowns for a quarterback. I mean, that's a drastic number. Even in today's NFL, that's a big time number. But I don't think Desmond Ritter has to shoulder the the load. And I don't think that he has to, I don't think he has to carry the franchise on his shoulders. He's got enough help around him. And if he can just stay out of harm's way, there's no reason why, as, as smart as he is, as much of a winner as he is, that Desmond Ritter should fail in this system. Look, they're still going to do, you know, I think still call a more percentage of run plays than probably any team in the league. They're not going to put themselves in in harm's way. And, and I don't think that they're going to let uh, Desmond Ritter do some of the things that Marcus Mariota did where he was a turnover machine. I mean, that's one of the things that killed the Falcons. It's just – he wasn't he wasn't judicious or safe with the football. Just too often he'd make goofy plays. And I don't think Desmond Ritter is that type of quarterback. So that's why I think, you know, again, will they battle each other a little bit? Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I really hope, and this is my hope, I really hope that Tyler Heineke really pushes Desmond Ritter for that job. Because again, I want to see some competition at that spot. I want, I want Desmond Ritter to feel like he's got to fight for that job, not just everything is just handed to him and there's no consequence. I want him to fight for that job, and I think he will. And I think he knows and understands sort of where he's at in the world of things. And look, he can go on the websites and read where they think that he is, and this, and the other, and all the things that are being said about him. You know, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to do all of that kind of stuff. But I, I don't, there's no reason for him to not do the things that he can do in this offense. And they're not going to ask him to go out there and, you know, on a regular basis, help help win them games. Excuse me. So, again... If he if he does put up those kinds of numbers, if he does put up 3,500 yards and 35 touchdowns, now we've got a whole separate discussion. Now we've got now we've got a discussion about MVP of the league, and we're one of the top teams in the NFL, and we're the number one seed in the East, and we're rocking and rolling, and we're kicking the crap out of everybody in the division. We're kicking everybody the crap out of everybody in the league. Like that's a whole separate discussion when we when he gets to that level. I don't think that happens in year one of, of first year full-time starting. But again, I think he's going to be a productive quarterback. But I don't see a scenario where Taylor Heineke gets in. I, I think once Taylor Heineke becomes the backup quarterback, this is going to be this is going to be Desmond Ritter's job, both from a standpoint of I don't think he gets hurt, from a standpoint of I think he plays well enough that, that he keeps the job, and he's not going to play bad enough to allow Taylor Heineke to step in and start, because that would be that would be I don't I don't know that it would be a disastrous thing to happen because Taylor Heineke could win some games, right? He could win some games. Whether Ritter misses a game or two because of injury, 
or if things get bad for him. I mean, Heineke could win some games. He did help Washington out when, you know, he did start and he did some good things. I'm not saying that he's, you know, Tom Brady or somebody like that, but he did do some good things to help his franchise out. So I, but I don't think that he's going to find a way into this lineup. And that's not necessarily a bad thing or whatever like that. I mean, again, you would rather have a guy that you feel like can either push your starter or be a capable, competent backup quarterback in case something goes wrong. You know, and again, with a young guy, you just never know. I mean, we're saying all these things, and and it could completely just fall off a cliff. But I don't see that happening with Desmond. I just I don't I don't see him as that kind of player. I don't see him as the kind of guy that you know is all of a sudden going to do something that's you know totally different than the way he was in college. And he was a leader in college. He was a winner. I mean, more importantly than anything else is the fact that Desmond Ritter was a winner in college. He was a guy that that led a program that was a obviously a just a group of five program to prominent heights. You know, there was discussions about whether or not they could find their way in the playoff a couple of years ago. Then, you know, in his final year, they did find a way to get into the college football playoff. So I I just don't see a scenario where Taylor Heineke is going to find himself playing at all because of whether it's because of injury, you know, lack of injury, I guess I should say, um, whether it's because, you know, Ritter plays well enough, but I think he's going to have a good year. And again, I think he'll be somewhere, you know, close to that 3,000 yardage mark and 65% completion and, you know, somewhere between 22, 25 touchdowns. I don't know how much more you could ask out of Desmond Ritter, especially in year one. I don't know how much more expectation there could be in year one than those kinds of numbers. Now, maybe he does go in balls out that he just, he just, again, it all clicks for him. Everything comes together. And and maybe that happens, but you know we don't see that very often in you know third round and later types of quarterbacks. We have the rare exceptions, and again we all know who the examples are. But you know on a weekend week out basis, we just don't see that kind of you know leap, and especially like in year one. Like I said, again playing in his start, having a chance to start in his first full year for the Falcons. So we'll see what happens, but. Again, I think Ritter's going to have a long leash to to get this thing on track and to you know find a way to be successful and win some football games. All right, our friend of the show, Lauren Williams, who covers the Atlanta Hawks, is going to join us up next. And uh, Hawks did make a deal today. They they moving and grooving, shaking and baking, cutting and strutting. They're all over the place and doing all kinds of moves. And yeah, okay. Anyway, all right, we'll talk to Lauren up next. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio, ninety two nine The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out at Kia Studios on this Friday evening with you. 
404-726-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Well, Hawks made some big moves today. I, I didn't see how much money they saved because that seems to be more of what we do than anything else when we start making trades and all this kind of stuff. We start picking up more cap space and cash available to us. So let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. She is here to make sense of all of this. Our friend of the show, Lauren Williams, joins us. She's the Hawks beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of her work, and you can find her on her personal Twitter page, at WilliamsLaurenL. Lauren, as always, appreciate a few minutes here on the show tonight on this uh, rainy, thundery, lightning Friday. Yeah, I'm not happy about the thunder and lightning, but happy about the rain. It was getting pretty hot out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely it was. So, well, I mean, so the Hawks, I guess, signed Wesley Matthews. What? what let, let me ask you this very simply. What does this move mm-hmm. mean for the Atlanta Hawks? Yeah, I think they just added a, a veteran to this roster that they sorely missed. I think the last couple of seasons, you know, they didn't really have anyone that was kind of a good voice of reason in the locker room. And it was part of the reason that this team kind of let go of Nate McMillan at the, you know, before the all-star break last season, they said that they didn't have anybody kind of in the locker room, kind of holding them accountable. And so that kind of fell on the coaches a bit. And now they have that person who is kind of the in-between between those guys. Um, and I, I think it's, it's a good fit. I don't think we can expect him to play a ton of minutes. The rotation I think is pretty set. Um, we know who, you know, those first nine guys are going to be. And, and usually Quinn Snyder doesn't typically go beyond nine guys in the rotation. Um, but he, he's going to be a strong voice. Um, you know, he was on that team in the bubble with, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton and, you know, everything that went on there. Uh, and then he spent the last two seasons um, after a stint away from the Bucks, He went back to Milwaukee. So, I think the Hawks are getting a really solid voice right now. Yeah, and, you know, just looking at kind of his minutes, I mean, he he only played 15 minutes a night, uh, you know, last year. Um, it was the mm-hmm. first year ever that he didn't start uh, a mm-hmm. game where he started, you know, pretty pretty regularly early in his career. But, do you, I mean, let's let's ask. I mean, because, again, we, we see these guys come and go. Is this a guy that mm-hmm. you think can stick with this roster? Or, you know, is he going to be a guy that they move on for somebody else? Yeah, I think because they signed him to a vet minimum deal versus, say, um, acquire him, acquiring him via trade, it's a little bit more likely, in my opinion, that he sticks around for a little bit longer, at least until maybe, say, the trade deadline. But Again, he's a guy that because he's on a one-year deal, he does look a little bit more enticing to some teams as an expiring contract if they're looking to kind of shift some pieces around. But the thing is, it's you know, the guy who the Hawks are continuously tied to in these trade rooms is Pascal Siakam. So, I mean, are you going to be sending out a one-year rental for a one-year rental? I don't think Wesley Matthews is enough to move the needle there. So, yeah, I just see him kind of sticking around a little bit longer than maybe even Patty Mills. So, all right, this is the question then at this point. So we're almost to August. And and look, mm-hmm. October, I, I think it's October 2nd or 3rd is when training camp opens um, in the NBA. So we still got, you know, plenty of time. And, and mm-hmm. you know, summer league is over and this, that, and the other, okay? As we sit here in the year of our Lord, uh, July 21st in 2000. <laughs> 23 at 7:43 mm-hmm. p.m. at night. Are the mm-hmm. Hawks a better roster right now 
than when they wrapped up in losing to the Boston Celtics? It's hard for me to say that they got better um, just because when you trade John Collins away, you trade a guy away who gave you solid rim protection on the defensive end. So maybe offensively they got a little bit better. You're adding in career high shooters who shoot over 35% in Patty Mills and, and Wesley Matthews, again, who we don't anticipate playing a ton of minutes. But defensively, it's hard to see them being much better than they were last season. And that was part of the reason that they, they struggled in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago was they needed to get better defensively. So, um, yeah, it, it's tough for me to say that, they, that this roster is better than where they ended the season last year. Lauren Williams, she's the Hawks beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joining me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. And to your point, Lauren, that you made just a couple of minutes ago, um, you know, it, it the Pascal Siakam, you know, it this is this has been lingering. I mean, this this has yeah. been lingering out there in the etherverse, you know, for for the longest time. I mean, is there any fire to the smoke? Because, you know, I've heard everything from that his brother has said that he isn't gonna be with the Hawks and yeah. there's there's you know, anticipation that he won't sign an extension like what DeJounte Murray did. I mean, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of wild things that are being put out there. Do you think at the end of the day they get a deal like this done, or is this just a lot of rumor and innuendo and it makes sense for Siakam to end up in Atlanta, but does it make sense for him to want to be in Atlanta? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, that, you know, definitely where there's smoke, there is fire. And I think part of the reason why, an outright deal hasn't been done, say, you know, picks or players or whatever it is, is that there's somebody in the midst of this deal who hasn't quite agreed to whatever terms there are in front of them. And, and so I think that's, you know, we're seeing potentially multiple teams being kind of mixed in. And that's usually why stuff like this takes so long is because you have to, to feed what everybody else wants. You have to make sure everybody comes away from the table happy. And so I think that's kind of what we're, what we're seeing here. But I, I do think that the Hawks would be a good fit for Siakam in the sense that they're in a situation where it's win now versus the Raptors. We're seeing it's kind of more of a rebuilding situation. And so if he's looking to, you know, go out and get another ring, I think he has a much higher chance of doing that with the Hawks than he does with the Raptors right now. Um, as far as money-wise, you know, the Hawks, they unloaded a lot of that John Collins um, contract for the future. And so they do have a little bit more space available uh, to re-sign him. I, I don't know what the numbers are that he's looking for maybe next year. And maybe that's what the holdup is, is that they're kind of agreeing um, to a kind of under the table, this is what we're looking to, you know, extend you at, and he might not necessarily like that. So maybe that's where the holdup is. But I, I do see him being a good fit, especially if you're putting him alongside, um, you know, like a Jalen Johnson, the DeAndre Hunters, and a Sadiq Bay, and kind of the roster that the Hawks have right now. Well, let, so let me play a little bit of devil's advocate with you here mm -hmm. in this scenario, okay? If you're Pascal Siakam, why would you sign with a an existing team? Because he's going to go on the marketplace, and, and I mm -hmm. and, and I will I will I will bet any dinner that that you want to take from me. He's going to get max money. He's a max mm -hmm. player. 
And why would why would he? I don't care if it's the Hawks or whatever. Why would he sign with a team even for the veteran max? Like what? what that's basically what Dejounte Murray did. Why would mm-hmm. he sign a veteran max deal when he's going to go on the open market? And again, he may not get that fifth year, but he'll get. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll get almost super max money. I mean, he will. He will cash in big time. I don't see a reason why he would sign with somebody and and turn that turn that opportunity down to one go where he wants to go and mm-hmm. two get max money. So if you're the Hawks, you're looking at this and saying, okay, if I can't sign him to an extension, can I afford to just have him walk away after one year on this roster? Yeah, and again, I think that's kind of what the the holdup is. Is it's whether they can get him to either commit to re-signing with them, or um, you know, it's hard to justify the Hawks signing a, or acquiring a guy who's, as they say, is going to be essentially a one-year rental. Um, so I, I don't think if you're the Hawks, you should sign a guy, especially if he doesn't want to be here long term. I think. Um, if the rumors are to believe, then he said that, you know, Atlanta is not necessarily the place where he wants to end up. I would have, to me, I would have hung up the phone right away and, and cut my losses there because you're, it's hard to, in my opinion, convince a guy to stay on if he's not willing to stay on. So this also begs the other question uh, is, look, uh, let's, say, let's say that in an ideal world, that mm-hmm. he signs a vet max deal, which is going to be the same kind of deal that Dejounte Murray got, four for one twenty. Mm-hmm. You think you think the Hawks are ready to take on another hundred twenty million dollars of guaranteed salary? The way that things have worked, I mean, again, every deal that we've watched, every deal has been three point five million here to save, mm-hmm. six point eight million here, six point five million here. I just, I, and, and I'm not saying that they won't do this. But mm-hmm. you're going to have to show me and prove to me that they're ready to take on another $120 million player on top of what they already have on this roster. Yeah, if they believe Pascal Siakam is the guy that's going to help them move the needle, then I think that's what's going to justify them paying him that extra 120 or so million dollars um, and taking on that contract. But they also have to think long term, right? You have guys like Onyeko Kongu, who is going to be, he's extension eligible. Sadiq Bey, extension eligible. They also have to think about whether or not they're going to continue investing in guys like A.J. Griffin and um, Jalen Johnson, as well as some of the other young guys that they have on their roster. So I think if you're putting all your eggs in one basket in terms of Siakam, to me that tells me that they truly believe that he's the X factor that's going to help them you know, move further in the playoffs and hopefully toward a championship. Could some of this be the idea of there there aren't many other great options that are available, either obviously via free agency. I mean, there's, there's I don't think that there's really, you know, anybody who's at Siakam's level on the free agent market. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe, too, just there aren't a lot of great trade possibilities. I mean, again, we're not getting Joel Embiid or Giannis. I mean, we're not getting right. somebody like that. So, again, is he the next best thing? Because it just seems like that the the everybody just assumes that he's going to be gone and mm-hmm. he's going to go somewhere. But if the Raptors were so desperate to get rid of him, 
I, again, there's I, I promise you they could find suitors for Pascal Siakam. It doesn't have to be just the Hawks. There's, there would be teams that would, would certainly love to take him on if it's really the idea of the Raptors want to get rid of him and, and not have to pay him that max money. Yeah, I, I think the benefit is that you're hopefully locking him in right now just because when you look at you know, you know what we saw this free agent class, it wasn't exactly the most enticing Next year's free agent class minus Siakam isn't exactly, you know, the most enticing. Uh, obviously, that depends on what we see this season. Maybe that changes our outlook on next year's free agency class. Um, so it, it, it's just a tough market. Uh, I, I think the only other person that maybe jumps out to me in that free agent class is Jalen Brown. So I, I think they're in the similar situation where it's just you – pay a guy like Jalen Brown or do you take a big like Siakam and and especially with how they've kind of locked in on DeJounte Murray it kind of makes the idea of taking on a guy like Jalen Brown a little bit more moot unless they are able to move on from DeAndre Hunter so I don't know I think that the Hawks have a lot of moving parts (laughs) right now I don't envy the situation that they're in I don't I don't envy Landry Fields in that front office at all but Yes, they do need to to make a decision on, you know, who it is that they're going to pay. Lauren Williams, she covers the Atlanta Hawks for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can check out all of her work at AJC.com. You can follow her on her personal Twitter page, at WilliamsLaurenL, and she joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Lauren, as always, appreciate a few minutes on the show tonight. Thanks uh, so much for being a part of it, and we'll chat again here soon. Thank you. You got it. When we come back from the top of the hour – It will be time for the Falcons flyover. I do have the top 10. I have the top 10 pro football focused players. The best in the NFL right now. Did we get our guy? Up next, (laughs) Chuck Rinnakia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.